Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Doom to Bloom podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Donna, who is a intuitive spiritual life coach and is going to talk to us about a few topics as they relate to trauma, resilience, and abundance, but also kind of the ups and downs of going through a healing journey. Hi, Donna. Hi. Nice to meet you. Right back at you. And thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to hear kind of this conversation. It sounds very up my alley with just where I align with. So I really appreciate that. And just before we get started, I always like to ask my guests where they are in the world. I am in Sacramento, California, the state capital of California, and it's beautiful here. (laughs) I think you're actually the second guest that's been in that area. So that's really interesting. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? It's a beautiful place with wonderful people. I love it. I've always wanted to go to California, so maybe one day I'll make my way down there. (laughs) It's worth the visit. Is it? And how's the weather? Well, today it's 90, but it doesn't feel like 90. It feels more like 75 or 80. I guess I'm just used to the heat, but it's sunny and, you know, there's plenty of parks and things to do outdoors and indoor stuff too. We have a lot of farms nearby, um, a lot of options, city stuff and nature stuff <laughs> together. It's like a fine balance. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one day I hopefully will make it down there, but... Until then, Donna, we are ready to hear your journey and your experiences. Okay, I want to start off with just telling a little bit about me, my story, because it's so shaky. It's a lot of times we look at people and we don't realize what they've gone through. And my clients, having clients and being able to share with them that they're not alone because I've walked a similar journey of trauma, which you know, leads to grief and leads to healing and deciding what's going to happen after. I believe it's important to share. And what happened to me was I was raised by just my mom because my both my parents were sick, but my father had to go home and live with his mother. So I never really got a chance to know my dad. And my mom raised six kids and we were poor. So we were in and out of motels, different places, But I always had my mother's love. So I had that security of the love, the discipline, the encouragement. But then she died when I was 12. And then I found out that my father had died two years prior. So I didn't have any parents. And I went from this love that was unconditional. And even though we didn't have the best financial circumstances, I had security of that love to not having any love, any um, comfort. And I ended up living with a older sibling and the trauma came out. I didn't realize how much pain that older sibling had. So we had a lot of conflict. She was the oldest, I was the youngest. She had resentment over, you know, many things and it created a problem. Then I ended up um, pregnant. I was 13 and pregnant. And so that was a whole nother circumstance of needing to have random caretakers. So for a while I lived with a friend's mother and then I ended up having my baby and being bounced around 
and even in the foster care system. And so my biggest trauma wasn't being a teen mother. It was not having my own mother there who was this amazing, loving woman who I didn't have that support, that background. And that's how I ended up pregnant. I didn't have a support system. I didn't have protection, but I had my son. And so I'm raising him in foster care. And there's a lot of abuse, a lot of verbal abuse, um, different things. And by the time I was 16, I said I had it. I forced the courts to emancipate me. And so I'm raising my son and we're in the projects. And, you know, we're trying to get by and I start to go to school and then I finally go to chiropractic school and become a doctor of chiropractic. But there's a lot of struggle there. But I kept bouncing back because I had my son. I had my why. I had my purpose. And, you know, there was a lot of things that took place that I felt like, oh, I can recover from. I can bounce back from. But when my son was 23... And it's 2008, he has a brain tumor. And he's diagnosed with a brain tumor, has surgery eight days later, dies 12 days after that. And I felt like my why, my purpose, you know, was all gone. And so I had all these traumas along the way. And then I lose my son and I'm at the final straw of I've had enough. You know, I, I've had to overcome so much poverty, verbal abuse, neglect, being homeless, um, raising myself above that for my son, and he's no longer here. And all of a sudden, the world felt numb, and it felt very empty. So I had this grief that was also a trauma, because trauma and grief really go hand in hand. You have a trauma, but you somehow have to grieve through what has happened. And I've had to grieve many things, losing my parents, being homeless. But I didn't know how to navigate this trauma. And it really caused me to have to go within myself and get a different perspective of how do I rise past something so hard, so confusing, so difficult that came out of nowhere. You know, one day my son's healthy, next day he isn't. He has a successful surgery and he still dies. And he was my only child. And what I learned through this, because we didn't really discuss trauma back then the way that we do now. You know, back then trauma may be someone who was brutally raped or shot or in war. We we never thought of the little things that added up to trauma. We don't consider losing a loved one often as trauma at that time. So I didn't have a name for anything other than grief, hurt. You know, I'm a parent who lost their child, their only child. And I realized how uncomfortable the world is with loss and uncomfortable situations because we have not had enough creation of safe places or have people hold space for us so that we can, you know, discover how to navigate through tough moments and how to heal. So I had to find my own way through healing without being mad at people for not understanding what I was going through because with my trauma, my grief came a lot of anger. 
that I didn't understand. I was just mad at people, mad at the world. And I was a person who loved everybody, even through all my trauma. I still had a lot of love. What my trauma taught me was to love bigger, to get through it. And all of a sudden, loving bigger wasn't getting me through what I was going through. I was shrinking. I was numb. I was becoming angry. And I said, how do I do this? I'm already coaching clients by this time. I've been coaching for 22 years. And, you know, I've had clients where they, you know, they've had different situations and I've been able to navigate with them. But I felt so defeated as a person because I was able to hold space and support others, but I couldn't support myself and I didn't have a support system. And what I realized is it's the discomfort of the topics that were not normalized at that time. Even though we had talk shows, you, you know, we kind of mocked people who were on talk shows and told their story and, oh, that would never be me and I would handle things different or better. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, I'm doing spiritual work. I have a lot of psychology background, although I'm not a psychologist. I took a lot of courses. I've done all these things and I can't help myself. And I really had to sit with it. And I realized that when you have a trauma or a grief or you go through something hard, you really have to feel the weight of it. It can't be ignored or avoided. And I, although I was coming across people who wanted to avoid me and avoid what I was going through because it was uncomfortable, I learned in that moment that if I avoid this, it's just going to get bigger later. I'm really going to fall apart more later. So I learned a big lesson about going through a tough situation. You must feel the weight of it, how it makes you feel in every aspect. It's not looking for a bright side or knowing that you'll be okay later. It's really sitting with how bad it hurts, if it makes you angry, um, if it disappoints you, if it frustrates you. It threw off so many things. I knew I wouldn't be a grandmother. I wouldn't be able to see my son go on to do more amazing things because he was already doing great things. He, and all of that was gone. The, the biggest dreams that I had were taken from me. So I had to grieve losing him, but I had to grieve the loss of all those dreams and the legacy that I would leave for him. Everything got wiped away. So what it taught me is as I feel the weight of it, I can appreciate all of the feelings and I will validate myself. Something that we don't do when we go through traumas, we don't validate ourselves. And we're always told, don't feel a certain way, be positive, be hopeful. And I realize that before you can get to that part, you have to sit in the darkness for a moment and really understand why it feels the way that it feels. And once you can do that and you sit with that grief, then in, in that trauma, then you start grieving it okay, this is gone. Where do I go from here? And you start looking for that healing. So then it's looking for therapists, looking for support groups, looking for, you know, systems that would help me. And I realized, you know, there isn't a lot when you're going through something heavy. Um, the very few therapists that do it are busy. 
because a lot of people are going through so much. And so it became more of what can I do for myself through this? And so I created my own stages of healing to make it through. And so I, I realized you have to sit with the pain. Then you start making a plan of what is life after. You know, you sit with it, you heal. What is life after? And you start finding ways to find joy again, to, to really recover after you go through the, the pain, the loss, the, the grieving, what has happened, and the healing part. There's got to be life after, and that life has to include an abundant life because that's how you get back to being a person who's still walking a human journey. And what I started doing was applying that with clients more because before I was more of, I would listen, give strategies, hold space. And then all of a sudden I said, no, there's so many steps, you know, that yes, there's a five stages of grief, but there's so much after grief, what happens after? Because nobody told me what to do after this. He's gone, there's a funeral. You know, I have his things still because we had to clean out his apartment. What do you do after all that? And so I, I started applying it to, to clients. Okay, you've gone through a divorce. You've got to go through the, the trauma of it, the grieving of it. And life after you've, you know, been through another tragedy, a betrayal, a rape, whatever, you go through the grief, the healing, but what happens after that? And so my, I, I guess I'm a grief specialist, but I'm in a, I'm a grief specialist in the way of saying what happens after the trauma and you grieve the trauma and you start healing through the trauma, what's next? And it's creating this ability to help, we'll co-create ability for people to understand that it's okay, it is safe to have an abundant life. And what is abundant life? A lot of times we think of abundance as just money, but it's not really about money. It's about allowing joy, allowing yourself to feel fulfillment and to feel connected. That's true abundance first. And once you can really feel joy again and feel like it's safe that, you know, you've got through this tough thing and you can move forward in life, all of a sudden there's hope, right? And there's that potential for happiness. And there's that potential for, you know, feeling connected to yourself and to other people, because I had to learn to connect to a lot of people that I was frustrated with. I was frustrated with people in general, and I had to get back to connecting with myself and other people. And then you add the layers of what are your goals? Do you want you know, to have a different career. What do you want now? What is your life after? So abundance is many things. It's not just how we've been taught, you know, money, success, you know, it's bigger than that. It's connection. It's whole, it's wholeness. It's living life at a hundred percent is what I call it. And everybody has a different definition of what life is at a hundred percent. For me, it was just knowing that I was going to be okay and I could create a new plan. And then it became about helping my clients better. 
And it became about, okay, other goals, you, you know, writing a book. So I wrote a book. That's my life at 100%. But for somebody else, it could be starting a foundation. It could be um, many things, going back to school. It's just, it's different. And so it's honoring that we have this common thing of we're all going to go through grief and loss. But our life after is something different for each person and how to find what we need in order to move forward. And how do you actually find find something to move forward to? I know I experienced a rather large trauma to me. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to do math in my head quick and it's not going so quick. Um, about 11 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I mean, obviously I'm still here and I've, I've, accepted the trauma I guess and the death of a really really close friend but how does somebody actually choose to I guess quote-unquote be okay and want to move forward and do new things and find the joy again because I know at the time I really struggled with that it's very hard there's survivor's guilt I mean I definitely had it outliving my son and I'm sure outliving a friend um, just outliving someone you love, right? Their survivor's guilt is like, am I honoring them if I go on and find joy? Um, it, it's trying to figure out how to honor that loss and how to still live. And I think the most important thing is to acknowledge everything that feels bad about it first. I, I'm one of those people, I say, dive into the darkness first. And once you validate that pain, that darkness, then you could say, okay, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. Now what? What happens now? It's, you, you know, yes, I can just choose to go through the motions, but does that honor me? Does it honor the person that I lost? Um, does it honor the life that was meant to be lived? And so you have to start asking yourself, the hard questions of it may feel safe to be stuck for a while, mm-hmm. but how will it look to be stuck long-term? How will it feel if, okay, you're feeling this way now, but do you want to feel this way 10 years later? You know, you're still here and it's five, 10 years later. Do you want to feel this way? And it's really saying no. And in battling for a moment of, no, I don't want to be stuck, but I'm still hurting. You know, I still have this trauma, this grief. But then it's just really about giving yourself permission to live. And what I had to do is I said, okay, I'm living for not just me, but for my son now. He's not here. And I had to say, would he want me to be stuck or to be sad or to give up? And you know, I got a no. I It was just a clear no. He would not want that for me. So I had to push myself because I was still dealing with survivor's guilt and lots of dreams dying. So it's a push, but it's a push after you acknowledge everything that you feel. It's after giving full validation every step along the way and really grieving what has happened and starting some type of therapy because there's that gap between what has happened and how to move forward. And a lot of it is with 
how to heal. And it's really one day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time, right? There's some rough hours sometimes when you're grieving past a traumatic event. And so a lot of it is about really saying, I'm still here. Now what? And it could seem simple, but it's really a hard question sometimes for someone to say, I'm still here. Um, what do I do? What will, you know, what will your friend want you to do? Your, your friend knows you're going to grieve, but does your friend want you to stay stuck? Does the grief really honor the connection? You, you know, I ran into a college buddy back in 2018 and she knew my son and she found out about him dying. And we were talking and she said, you know, haven't you suffered enough? And, and she was that friend that could say anything to me. I mean, she can, because she has so much credibility in my life when we were in school, I wrote about her in my book. And when she said that, I thought, well, what do you mean? You know, I've traveled, I've, you know, I've been working on healing and working with clients. What does that mean? But it gave me a new perspective to ask a client, haven't you suffered enough? And what does the suffering validate? We, we know that there's a hurt, there's a loss. You don't forget the person when you stop suffering, but you start honoring the person or honoring yourself when you stop suffering to know that your life is more than just suffering and my friend said that to me because she felt like certain of certain parts of my aspect of my life wasn't what it should be and you know that was her perception but her asking me that question made me start asking my clients that question so what i would say to someone is you've been through a lot it's hard, it's overwhelming, you're starting your healing process, but you have to tell yourself, I suffered enough. And I wanna take those chains of pain off because we can validate what we've gone through without it overtaking us and stopping us from life. And so what did your, what did your next steps after grief and processing the loss of your son look like? It was weird. Um, every day I had to talk to myself. I had to do a lot of self-talks. But having clients really helped me because I realized that, you know, some of them knew what happened and they were just so grateful that I showed up for them. And they said, thank you for showing up because I know you're going through something, but you're really helping me right now. And I couldn't have done this. And it, it reminded me of the connection. So I got back to connecting to myself and connecting to other people and how we're all so important to someone. And, and we're important to a lot of people that we don't even realize. Um, everyone has an impact on someone mm -hmm. in a positive way. And so that encouraged me to say, you know, I'm telling these clients, you know, there's life after, you know, you could do this, you can move forward. So I had to be my own cheerleader. So I had to do a lot of therapy. I had a great spiritual coach and energy work. And, you know, I, I had to journal. I had to really keep on validating what I was feeling. And, you know, that way 
I can say, okay, I'm validating it. Now what? And so I took baby steps and I, I just said, okay, I'm going to do one little thing for myself. So I booked a trip to Spain. I had never been to Europe and, you know, I, I had a little bit of money and I got a discount and I went to Spain and I went by myself and I just, I said, okay, I'm in Europe. My son never got a chance to go to Europe and, you know, but I'm in Europe for both of us. So I think it's about not really some big goal, but just some random thing that you need to do to get out of your immediate environment, just to smell some different air at first. That's where it really starts. And so it's just baby steps. And that was my baby step was just to leave the environment. It almost sounds like after his passing, you developed, I guess, more of a clear understanding of your purpose in life. And it sounds like the purpose was to live for yourself, but also to live in honor of him and the things that he wouldn't be able to experience. Yes, because, you know, he was born after my mother died. So I always felt like he continued to raise me. He was the continuation of which he couldn't finish because he died when I was 12. And I had him when I was 13. So real young, but he motivated me to go to school. He motivated me to do good in school to, to set goals to live, you know, fully. So I realized I, he was like my guardian angel that came to take care of me until you know, his work was done. He finished his work with me and, and he went back home, as I say. And I realized, wow, so I just have to keep on doing that. I have to keep on doing what he inspired me to do. So when it comes to a loss, I would say, keep doing what that person that you lost inspired you to do. And and how maybe hypothetically for some of those that are listening that may not necessarily know what they're inspired to do. How do you get to a point of knowing maybe what that is that they are supposed to be doing? You know, just kind of sit and start writing out your desires. What were your desires before this traumatic event? And look at what still could feel good for you. You know, because some things will change, right? After you go through a trauma you make, some things you may not want to touch. But there's usually something that still matters to you. And I would say, do that thing. You, you know, um, it doesn't mean go off your path, but it's like this moment has happened, this trauma has happened, it's really pushed into your path more. And so look for the one thing that still excites you that excited you before. And that's what you're to continue to do. Like some people may, after they lose someone, start a foundation, but maybe you don't want to do that. I didn't want to start a foundation. That wasn't my thing. And so sometimes we think people are always doing something new after a loss or after a tragic event, or, you know, if you're a survivor of rape, you might think, well, I don't want to start a survivor of rape, you know, whatever. It, you know, therapy or, or, you know, charity, but what was good for you before is still good for you now. You know, the things that excite you before still matter. And before he passed, I really wanted to have an impact of facilitating healing because I had to do so much prior to that event because of all the trauma that I've been through. 
And so I just stayed on that course. It looked different, but it was still the same thing. So if your desire before that was to go back to school or to travel the world, do that thing. That's that what I would say. That gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Do that thing, whatever it was. If you want a cooking show on YouTube, whatever it is, you just jump in. There's no right time, right? There's no perfection. You just jump in and you just do it. Because that grounds you and that gives you life again. And it gives you purpose again. Because you got to have purpose after trauma. And purpose for everybody looks totally different. Absolutely. It, it, you know, and, and so whatever it is, you, you know, some people want to ride their bike across the country. Go ahead and do it. You know, whatever it is. If you just want to sit at home and, and crochet, it, you know, you do it. But do the thing that will keep you going. And through that, know that healing never stops. It continues, but it becomes easier to do when you find your purpose after the trauma. When you allow yourself to live, it gets a little bit easier. You can manage it. You, you know, I'm always going to miss my son. There's moments where I really wish he was here. But... I just keep moving forward and I say, okay, there's always space for him, you know, in my life, although he's not here, but the things that I'm doing are giving me the motivation to keep going. Cause I mean, I'm 52. I don't know how long I'm going to live. What if I live to be 80? I, that means 30 more years. What am I going to do with it? Nobody knows how long they're going to live. Right. So what are you going to do with the time that you have here? You still matter. If you're still here, you still got work to do something important. You know, if it's just important to yourself, that's just as good. You don't have to impact everybody else. And I guess in in terms of what you just mentioned for healing always being a journey, do you really try to emphasize that with your clients as well? Yes, that it isn't a destination point. And healing is not about I'm going to be whole and I'm not going to feel this pain anymore. I'm going to be perfect. It's about knowing what has happened to me is still what has happened but there's a life after and there's going to be good days and bad days. And as time goes on, there's still be more good days and bad days, but there's still going to be some tough days and never look at the tough days as your backsliding or, you know, I thought I was farther along. I thought I let that thing go. Don't look at it like that. Look at it as, you know, I'm still validating what I've gone through and I must need to still validate it. And that's okay. When you are working with your clients, do you ever give them, I guess, like coping mechanisms or strategies or techniques to continue to validate themselves through the everlasting yes. healing? What are some examples of those? You know, I'm big on meditation. 
um, very important because that really helps us to become present with ourselves. And you don't have to meditate, you, you know, for hours. You could do five minutes. You could do 10 minutes. 20 minutes is great. You don't have to do an hour or anything like that. And really sitting in the stillness to feel yourself. That's self-validation time. Um, that's your time for clarity. Also, mindfulness. Sometimes having like an active um, mantra affirmation you know i'm worthy it is safe to move forward in life um i feel safe after what i've gone through whatever mantra affirmation you need i love eft emotional freedom technique i teach them how to tap on the tapping points there's a lot of youtube videos on eft eft is great um journaling there's a lot of different um somatics you know how to feel in your body and to do a body scan talking it out um going through a different scenario so there could be many things it depends on who i'm working with i have up to 20 modalities that i use and it just depends on where the person's at and what they can handle at the time but i feel like we can always handle a little bit of meditation even if it's just for five minutes because that's your you time to feel more grounded even if your mind wanders during meditation is fine because over time it will wander less but it's just that sitting still and saying i'm feeling me and if you're a person who wanders a lot during meditation just start thinking of a goal start thinking of how you want to move forward and that could be your meditation so meditation isn't always silence it's just about focusing on self I'm definitely one of those people with meditation where my mind just goes like 50,000 different ways and then I just stop <laughs> yeah same here um I And so I just tell myself, think of what I want to accomplish. Spend that time visualizing a dream, a goal, um, reminiscing over the person that you love, that you lost. You, you know, make it a beautiful time. I don't think really meditation is about silence. That's almost, it could be almost sadistic to some people to have to sit in silence, right? Because then you're going to start thinking about all the things you need to do. But if you just think about something that you want for yourself, um it's wonderful and so it's all about you time that's what i see meditation is it i see it as people may call it selfish time i call it self-care time because it could be whatever you want it to be well and really it sounds like whatever we need to right yes yes especially whenever i've had a client you know need to prep for an interview I say, well, meditate and practice, you know, during that meditation, that interview. Um, if you're prepping for a test, spend your meditation prepping for that. You, you know, just visualize yourself getting through it. Or, you know, if you just want to have better communication with someone, meditate and practice communicating better with someone, whatever you need it to be. Or if you need to hide from the kids, just go sit in the closet and meditate, right? <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no wrong way. I think sometimes we get caught up in what's the right way or the wrong way, but life is so fluid. There's not too many things in the world that are wrong, you, you know? 
um, especially when it comes to healing and well-being, it's messy. It's all over the place. It's gray. It's not black and white. It's just what you need to do at the time. And to have a little bit more self-awareness, to me, healing is about having more self-awareness and honoring what you can and cannot control and, and making peace with what has happened. Because you can't change it. You know, sometimes people think, oh, if I could just have done X, Y, Z. And I say, no, you couldn't have or you would have. It's okay. You know, you did what you could at the time. I definitely kind of align with that in in more ways than one. I feel like there's always just the, I guess, like you said, the survival survivor's guilt or just the guilt that lingers. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's important that you're talking about all of those different aspects. Yeah, because I mean, my son was at the best hospital. I mean, Stanford is one of the best hospitals ever. And, you know, they're amazing. And they were so loving and caring towards him. And they did all they can do for him. So it wasn't like I can go to a better hospital or had a better doctor, had a very humble doctor, had a team, right? Because it's a med school and a teaching hospital. And his neurosurgeon was one of the top in the country. So it's really accepting that we can't always do more. It's just what is what is, unfortunately. And there's nothing that could change that. But I think part of what gets in the way is I've had clients say, well, if only I could have. And I say, no, you can't. Or, or when we're in judgment of other people, we say, if only you would have done. And it's really to take away self-judgment. And that way we don't judge anyone, right? If we take away the self-judgment and realize that we're just doing the best we can at the time. I think the self-judgment too, or maybe even the judging of others, it, in my opinion, it adds to the trauma and it adds to all of the emotions and all of the thoughts that are already kind of a web of chaos. Yes. And it takes away from healing. And, you know, sometimes I know people have to go through beating themselves up a little bit and they say, okay, you've done enough of that. Now let's dissect, where does that come from? Because it's probably started way before this incident, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have to take people way back. And a lot of times we don't realize it, but some people are raised with perfection, right? Don't make mistakes, do everything right. You're stupid if you do this or, and so it goes somewhere deeper. And so when that trauma comes, it's really forgiving a lot of layers, you know, and healing a lot of layers prior to that incident. I know I wanted to be the perfect mom because I was a young mom and I had, I was going to prove it to everybody. Right. And I was out of control when he got sick. I couldn't be a perfect mom. I couldn't save him. I couldn't do anything. I had to see how powerless I was. So there's... I, I just I keep getting goosebumps from all of the things you keep saying because they're just so true. And it's it's nice to see a different perspective on loss and grief and trauma. And I guess you're sprinkling a little bit of positivity in there where most people don't like the positivity is so far in the future that they're not seeing it right after the incident happened. 
or the loss happened? Yeah, my son passed um, 15 years ago, 2008. And I know when you first go through something, it's foggy, it's cloudy, there's, it's hopeless. It's, you know, what happens after this, right? And, you know, I, I didn't have other kids, so I couldn't just like pour into other kids, right, to get through it. And sometimes we don't have anything to bypass what in, in some ways, that's good, right? I just had to face it. And, but it was just knowing that one day I was going to have to make for a good life. I was going to have to get through this. And it was hard to do. And it took me many years. And then having a friend reinforce, you know, haven't you suffered enough? I mean, to me, that is like the most powerful thing that anybody could ever say to me. That wasn't offensive. It wasn't an insult. It was an awakening. And How so, yeah, I just, it, it, you know, and always say, whenever I interacted with this person, she always had the right words. And I haven't seen her in 17 years when I had that moment with her. You, you know, we were already out of school that long. And when she said that, I, it caused me to write my book. It caused me to have even more healing, more of a perspective on life. And I would just say to myself, you know, I've suffered enough. And, you know, I have my clients say, look, you suffered enough. Come on now. It, you know. That's so powerful. Yep. So powerful of her to say, especially at a time where you needed it, but that you didn't know you needed it. Yeah, because she's also intuitive, so things would just come out of her mouth. She always been that way. And, you know, she brought me to my gifts when we were in chiropractic school. So she has had the biggest change on my life other than my son. And, you know, it just came out of her mouth. So I knew it came from a higher place. You know, sometimes when people are talking to us, they don't realize that their words are coming from a higher source, bigger than them. And I knew that those words were bigger than even her. <laughs> she had a mouth on her, you know, but yes. Even bigger than that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, that could have been my son talking in her ear. I don't know. You know, it felt like that. You know, I feel like um, I have a lot of spiritual beliefs that might be different for other people. I feel like there's life on the other side. I feel like they try to guide us. I, I think I've clung to that that statement a lot since my significant loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like my son put that in her ear and out her mouth. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it and, definitely worked. <laughs> and he knew that I would use it with clients. And, you know, it's been a powerful thing. So I say to anyone whatever you've gone through yes it's hard yes it's painful and but you do have to say I've suffered enough I deserve so much more than what I'm going through right now I deserve a good life despite how it can make you feel sometimes going through trauma it can make you feel worthless or unlovable or you, you know it can make you feel so many bad things but if you could say to yourself I suffered enough you could find your way out and you just start calling for help. Yell it out. Just say, I went out of this. I went out of this pain. And the answers will start coming. 
It's different for each person. Is there anywhere that listeners can find you and continue to get all of the wisdom and encouragement and support from you? Um, yes, you can find me at drdonnelly.com slash Podia, P-O-D-I-A. That's the platform that I'm on. It's all in one. So my courses are there, my books there. I've got a quiz there. Um, that's one area. And then on Facebook, I'm Dr. Donna Lee, Spiritual Mindset Coach. And on Instagram, I am Dr. Donna Elaine Lee. And how does, how is Elaine spelled? E-L-A-N-E. Okay. Just so people find the right doctor, Donna. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. And thank sharing, you for having me. Absolutely. And sharing all of your wisdom and just knowledge. I know I, I almost feel like I was called to, to have you as a guest for my own benefit and my own healing I guess and to continue that journey because a lot of the things that you said were things that I definitely needed to hear probably 10 years ago and (laughs) I'm just hearing now but I feel like there is a really it's really powerful and it's really empowering to hear your journey and your healing and all the traumas that you went through and how you're still on the other side so I really appreciate you guesting and just talking about your experience and just sharing all your intuitive wisdom. Thank you for letting me be a guest. I appreciate it. And you've been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to the listeners and to you, Donna, I'm sending you lots of love and lots of light.